0: in the only true summer star wars release of the year delilah s dawson's inquisitor rise of the red blade was turned loose on unsuspecting audiences on july 18th 2023 in the intervening months the tale of Iskaris has taken readers on an unforgettable ride as we learn about the mysterious red-hued inquisitor it's finally time for the star wars book community podcast to dive into our thoughts opinions and unhinged theories i'm looking at you chris on this novel (laughs) Welcome, or welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. My name's Morgan, though you may know me better as Instagram's Not A Force user. I will be taking on the hosting duties for my very first time, please hold your applause, uh, for this roundtable discussion of Delilah S. Dawson's Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. Uh, joining me today is Johnny, also known as Journals of the Wills. You want to say hello, Johnny? Hi there, Morgan. It's
1: good to finally chat to you and be in the same episode.
0: That's very exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, we also have Chelsea of Space Wizards Book Club. Happy to finally get to be on the same episode as you as well,
2: Chelsea. Yes, very excited. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, next on the list, we've got written in the Star Wars herself, Danielle. Welcome aboard, Danielle.
3: Hi, I'm excited to be here. I really like this book, so I'm ready to talk about it.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And rounding out the round table, as it were, is the illustrious Chris, the SW Book Collector. How uh- you doing today, Chris?
4: I'm good. I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about getting the reputation for the crazy theories, even though it is accurate. Um (laughs) Stone GS. So then GS GS is alive. Anyway. That's good to be here, as always.
0: All right, perfect. In case you have been counting, you might have noticed that this is the first round table where there are fewer men than not men at the virtual table, which is quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um (laughs) <laughs> it's also perfectly on-brand, given that, as I've said a few times already, we're talking Delilah S. Dawson's Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade today. Um, the publisher's summary for this one's a little bit long, so I'm just going to summarize that summary before we jump in. Um, leading with the tagline, with the Jedi Order falls and Inquisitor rises, this adult novel follows aspiring Jedi Is Iscatech. Karis as she struggles to find out exactly where she fits within the Force. Though she has dedicated herself to becoming the best Jedi she can, Izcat feels thwarted at every turn. As she struggles with finding her peace and controlling the unbridled power that the Force provides her, she also finds herself adrift without a master and thrust into a galaxy at war. Iskat knows that she is a weapon that the Jedi can use, but becomes frustrated at the decisions of the Jedi Order that only seems to hold her back from doing what she feels the Force wills. Uh, we watch Iskat's descent into an Inquisitor and what feels like an inevitable and sometimes quite familiar path to the dark side in search of power and freedom. All right. So I feel like this might be a silly question, but to get us started, uh, what were everyone's overall impressions of this one? And maybe how do we feel that it compares to the rest of Star Wars canon? Uh, Danielle, do you want to go first?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, in my review of this book, I said that it was probably, aside from The High Republic, because High Republic is my favorite, um, my favorite Star Wars book released in the past couple years, at least. Um, or The one that I liked the most, again, aside from The High Republic. I think it fits into canon really well, and it adds a new layer to conversations that we like to have about the prequel era, and it's just a perspective that I feel like we don't get a lot of during that era
0: excellent chris what are your thoughts uh
4: yeah i mean i like it it's not one of my favorites because i think it's because i had a bit of a an up and down relationship when i was reading it with the book obviously not separately um <laughs> i think what it was was i really enjoyed it and i um, i just found it a little bit hard to get into i think it was because i've been so spoiled again with the high republic where you know that program that also takes place in in a sort of a a time when the Jedi are all there. Um, but the actual surrounding characters in this one weren't quite as compelling as what I'm used to from that. Um South kind of herself is wonderful, but yeah, I wasn't quite as grabbed. But then it started to pick up for me and I really I really did enjoy it in the end. It's it's a four out of five for me.
0: <laughs> we'll take that. Four out of five is not bad. Um no, I agree, like it's it's really hard. Coming from the High Republic with that massive cast of such compelling characters into something like this, so solid. How about you, Johnny? Where are you on this one? I mean, you know, I mean,
1: I, I always find it really difficult to compare one book to another. You know, every, everything in the canon is, is doing its own thing, and I also think it's kind of unfair to try to compare so any book, any work of art, to something else because it's all you know, and especially in Something like the Star Wars canon, where it is this massive tapestry, you know, and every every stand every story, whether it's part of a series or as a standalone, kind of it 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 plays its part and it is its own thing, and all of which is a rambling way of saying I don't want to compare it to anything else, but um, I had a really good time reading it. I, I find this cat really, really enjoyable and engaging. I loved the prequel era, um, and I loved some of the little crossovers there with, with last year's Brotherhood, for example. Just little acknowledgements uh, of other canon storytelling in, in, in and around that era. Um, I struggled a little bit with the epilogue, which was sort of preempted by her initial appearance in the Darth Vader comic. Maybe we'll chat about it, a bit about that later on. But that aside, um, I, I thought it was
0: excellent yeah no it's kind of like comparing your kids and choosing a favorite when someone asks you to pick a favorite star wars book so that's totally valid i i
1: i I can't do that ranking thing when people say oh you know rank your books or what are your top five i just i can't i just what what are your criteria what are your criteria for this
4: i feel attacked johnny because i do that all the time yeah yeah you do (laughs) i mean to be fair though if that's okay like i'm not actually objectively comparing it to the high republic yeah. i'm just comparing yeah, no, that's how i Absolutely. connected to it
0: yeah you know what i mean and chelsea we yeah. haven't heard from you yet what were your thoughts on this one
2: i honestly share a little bit of like the same sentiments with everybody i think i'm more in danielle's boat here with it is it is one of my favorite star wars books of all time um and even though i love the high republic the prequel era is my favorite era in star wars just in general publishing things like that so i knew going into this book that i was i was going to enjoy it i was surprised at how much i enjoyed it and how quickly i realized oh my goodness this is probably going to be my one of my favorite star wars books ever like definitely top five um because at first i didn't really have an interest in like learning more about the inquisitors i was like okay like it's it about about an inquisitor um not really like sure i'm going to read it of course but i wasn't like whoa i'm so hyped for this book but i think like first two chapters i'm like oh no this is this is going to be excellent and i do agree with like you we're, were so not maybe so focused on the higher Republic, but there's so much of the higher Republic that's been coming out over the last couple of years and i think there's this interesting kind of like juxtaposition almost whiplash sometimes of like getting these amazing higher Republic stories about the jedi at like the peak you know at their peak their golden age you know they're doing their thing you know amazing jedi And then you get these prequel stories where you are following the Jedi order when it's about to fall and about to be basically, you know, destroyed. And it is, it's come a long way, not in the best way since the High Republic time. But I will say again, one of my favorite Star Wars books ever. I love this book. I love Iskat and her journey and how it all played out, how it all ended. I yeah i love it
0: (laughs) excellent i'm with you guys chelsea and danielle on this one i really enjoyed this one as well it's in my top favorites i've been a big fan of delilah s dawson and particularly how she writes women who for lack of a better description behave badly uh phasma was one of my favorite books and even vi marati follows a similar arc of not being that standard hero that we usually expect to follow in the star wars book Uh, and that really just works for me on so many different levels um now, digging deeper into the book, if we all recall, this novel is told in three parts. Um, they're each cleverly denoted by Izcat's lightsabers of choice for that part. Uh, we focus first on her as this by-the-book Jedi, then on her deviation and questioning, and then finally as an Inquisitor. Um, and if it's okay with everyone, I would like to take these on part by part, starting at the beginning um, with that part one. So early on, we see Iscat as a Padawan. She's doing her best, and frankly, she is... She's struggling. Uh, a big part of that, to me at least, seems to be her relationship with her master, Sember Um, What do you make of the portrayal of that relationship? Uh, let's start with you, Chris. Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it's an interesting opening, isn't it? Because obviously it, it starts relatively soon in, 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 into the action, isn't it? So you get a little bit of a preamble and then you get that moment where is cat kind of lets loose and you kind of get a peek into who SK is. um and has t- shades of other you know potential dark side leaning jedi um anakin and such um but it, it was it was good i mean this was the part for me that i actually that i did struggle with um mainly because i, I just found it difficult to connect not with this guy but with everyone else but it, it definitely is enjoyable um i think like Chelsea just raised actually what I found interesting straight away initially is like you said we're so used to the High Republic and the Golden Age of the Jedi and even after that after the fall of the Jedi we're used to idealistic Luke and Rey uh, and Ahsoka even you know um, later Ahsoka so we're used to a certain level of Jedi and I always forget how and this is controversial so I'm on brand how unlikable the prequel era Jedi are do you know what I mean? They're like they're deeply, deeply flawed. I mean, the, the, these the Jedi that it's because of these Jedi that you know the Jedi fell because they have become so far removed from what it means to be a Jedi. And I feel like this book really, really captured that that side of the Jedi at this point. Um, it's it's hard not to root for Iskat, which is troubling, but it's hard not to root for Iskat when all the people around her are so. Not very nice, <laughs>
3: you know. Can I pick up from there? Because I I kind of um, viewed it from a different point. Because one of my issues, and it's a minor issue with with the book. I don't even know if I would call it an issue, as much as I would call it. It just made me think, like, have to really think about where I was coming from, and where Is Cat was coming from, and where potentially the author was coming from. Is that? Um, I found a lot of those characterizations to be, I think, one of two things in my mind. One, um, iscat's bias. And that's what I loved about this book so much, though, was that it was 100% iscat. We weren't switching perspectives. We weren't getting the perspective of someone from the other side. We weren't getting any of that. It was just iscat. And a lot of times in Star Wars books, especially lately, you get different perspectives across chapters. So it's being split up. No characterization of one character is going to be the same for each chapter. And with Rise of the Red Blade, it is consistent throughout that. And so there has to be a feeling of um, unfairness and unjust and uh, anger towards them from ISCAT because of where her story's going. And so on one hand, like, I I think that a lot of the characterization of the prequel Jedi as so deeply unlikable is heavily biased because it's Izcat. And she has to end up thinking of them that way. And um, I actually found it quite sad because of (laughs) the other characterizations we get. I don't don't really find the Jedi of the prequel era to be um, really unlikable. I find them to be um, complicated and really just sad and stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, I might be, I might be they... being
4: hyperbolic there, but that's just, that's just me. I think they're all unlike No, no, no. No,
3: but... no it's, it's just, I I find it really complicated. And that's why I liked this perspective of it, because it is, like, we know as Star Wars fans, everything else that was going on behind the scenes, but Izcat doesn't. And um, her feelings about it are just as valid as anyone else's. Um, and so that's that's why I really enjoyed reading it from someone who's um, all of the the difficult choices the Jedi had to make at this time did have a negative effect on other people. And Izcat was one of those people who had to bear the brunt of that. And so I like I like seeing the, yeah, we can understand the Jedi at the time, and I certainly do. Um, but also understand that Iscat's opinion of them is going to be very, very negative for a reason.
2: I definitely see both Chris and Danielle's perspectives here. I I really love that we get just one person's um, POV, their perspective in this book. And you are so much in Iscat's head and you're seeing her thoughts and her perspectives on people, places, events, everything. And it was fascinating to see, you know, another Jedi's perspective of like these other kind of famous characters that we, we all know who they are for for the most part, you know, we've had stories with them, centered on them, Um, you know, things like that. Again, I I won't go into my spiel about Mace Windu because I've already done that in like previous podcasts, Um, (laughs) but it, you know it ends up being that cat is kind of a almost an unreliable narrator not that she is not you know explaining or like we're, we're seeing things in a in a you know kind of wrong sense or like this isn't really happening it's only happening in her head or something like that but more like this is her view of the world and it honestly it really much of the book broke my heart because i like chris like i i wanted to root for cat i wanted her to be happy and i and i desperately wanted her to find that acceptance and understanding and like empathy that she was a very much lacking it, you know felt like she was lacking she wasn't getting the acceptance and support and like the guidance um I would be interested to see kind of like what other people's perspectives of her were outside of like what she thinks they think about her (laughs) um Mm -hmm. because the way that she tell kind of you know like the way that we like read her story is that like everyone in the jedi order are like such jerks and they're self-righteous <laughs> and they're arrogant and i think to a certain degree that is true there is you know some self-righteousness and arrogance and that was a big part of you know their downfall um but i i liked in this book that you don't have a clear cut like this is the hero this is the villain you know this person is the victim this person is the perpetrator things like that both is and the jedi order are victims and perpetrators of their own demise in their own way
3: i really liked since you brought that up one thing i i really appreciated about this book was that um it was very clear that is cat was being manipulated throughout the entire thing or it became clear later in the book that the one person she thought she could trust also ended up not necessarily being someone she could trust and um Palpatine had his fingers even around her uh and I appreciated that because it showed that it wasn't you mentioned Chelsea like unreliable narrator kind of and I think that that's accurate I wish there was another another term to describe that she was unreliable but not by choice if that makes sense like like she was going off of everything that she knew but what she knew a lot of what she knew or what she thought she knew was being manipulated into her to think.
1: Yeah, She's an incompletely informed narrator.
3: Yeah. I guess. She's isolated. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated that because it showed not only that her, her opinions about the Jedi, not all of them, she has her very understandable opinions about negative opinions about them, but some of them were, um, uh, Incorrectly informed, or at least nurtured a little bit more than they might have been otherwise, but also that um, that she herself, her opinion on herself, was uh, nurtured that way as well, and encouraged in a way that it might not have been otherwise because of that. And I think that that was just incredibly sad too, that she never got the chance to have someone like truly listen to her and and come from a place of of being a hundred percent on her side yeah. and not someone else's it's,
1: it's interesting that you bring up the manipulation Danielle because I I definitely see the way that sidious through he- hezo hazo he
3: I don't hezo, know I, I hezo. So. Hezo. yeah
1: <laughs> um, there, there's definitely manipulation going on there I I do f- I have some sympathy with the Jedi here. I'm I'm sorta of, I think we'll probably fall between you, Chris, and 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 sort of you, Danielle and Chelsea, on this one. It's you know, they are problematic in the ways that prequel Jedi are problematic, but they're also kind of just doing what they're meant to be doing. They, they you know, they are there for Iscat in the only way that they know how. You know, um her master Sembervay is she, she, you know, she she's not particularly um, demonstrative or affectionate or any of those things. But she, you know, she she's a Jedi. She's not really meant to be. And you know, I, I, you know, there's one point early on. Iskat talks about how she's she looks up to someone like Obi Wan Kenobi, who always had a kind word when instructing someone. Um, but Iskat sort of generally feels that. She's surrounded by a Jedi, whose who's kind words are mostly sort of ways of pointing out her flaws. She, you know, she feels attacked all the time. But so much of that is kind of, it, it's not just in her head, but... She's clearly not getting what she needs from them, but I don't think the yeah. Jedi are in any position to give her and, anything else. Absolutely. For, for the most part, I, for the most part, you know?
3: Oh, well, this is just really quickly off of Obi-Wan, um, because it's interesting that she thinks that she would like to have a master like Obi-Wan or or one of the other masters. And Anakin had Obi-Wan <laughs> as a master, and that what, what didn't turn to out him? great either. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah it's all, all, it feels like a big, like, perspective Indeed. thing. Like, the grass is always greener on the other absolutely.
0: side. Absolutely. No, I reading this um i am an educator um and i was reading this through the lens of being an educator i mean like gosh i really wish that jedi had like a jedi pedagogy class like to learn how to be teachers because they all (laughs) teach but they i'm reading it and thinking like no that's not how you approach a student who is this way that's that's not what you do there that's like teacher 101 um and i i think that if jedi just had a a teaching preparation course that they had to do before they were allowed to work with the younglings or to have padawans that we would not have had any of the problems that we ended up having in the prequel trilogy i don't know
2: that's morgan i'm right there with you (laughs) i'm also an educator and every I, i i'm forever fascinated by the master and apprentice dynamic at different parts in the star wars timeline because there are just so many different dynamics really like it and just like you said um, is cat you know wishing she had a master like Obi-Wan and then I'm thinking like didn't Obi-Wan spend a majority of the of attack of the clones like just in the sassiest way Anakin? possible <laughs> you know? yeah exactly yeah. I, I'm like I, he wasn't like mean about it but like he was just like it, it was almost like every five minutes it was like Anakin stop it it's kind of
1: awkward in some scenes it's kind of a bit you know
2: it is is. i'm like oh it's so cringy how embarrassing (laughs) but yeah like morgan said like there are just yeah i I don't know like i i wish there was or if, if there was we like knew more about it kind of a like a how to be a jedi master as in like how to you know, handle a Padawan, um, you know, like having a certain amount of time between you becoming a knight and then getting your own Padawan, you know, like a, not like a teaching assistant, but like a Padawan assistant or something like that, you know, (laughs) to kind of guide you on like, here's what not to do. Maybe we'll see that in kind of the new Jedi order era, like Mm. looking back at, all the all the way all the things to not do as a Jedi Master yeah. with a battle <laughs> on.
4: Okay. I mean, to be honest, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but the way that they handled Iskat, Iskat's past and species and all that was all done, you know, completely wrong. It was completely mishandled, I think, because there's seemingly no reason why they withheld her species uh, from her mm-hmm. and her history and her home planet. Like, I know that she's not meant to have any attachments to them, but to forcibly withhold it, that information,
0: mm-hmm.
4: it just created resentment, and there's, there's literally no reason for it.
3: See, I don't... This was the part of the book, like, there were some parts where I was like, this doesn't make sense to me from a Star war like, a Star Wars perspective based on what we know um, loosely, granted, about... Uh, Jedi who are of different species and from different home worlds. And that's that um, like Ahsoka and the other Togruta are allowed to follow their cultural, uh, you know, practices. Uh, Depa Biloba is allowed to call, uh, follow her cultural practices. The uh, Mary Allens are allowed to do that. And, and so when I was reading this, I was like, this just, it does, didn't make sense to me why, they wouldn't allow that except for you know it's jumping ahead like you said but what what happened with her mother and the fact that if she found out what happened to her mother she would you know they, they didn't know how she would handle that
4: yeah but again that just that doesn't make sense does it because Djada are all about um, you know reject redemption forgiveness um, faith and all that and to to make iskat live almost live with the failures of her mother she didn't even know she had is crazy you know? yeah
3: I don't I don't agree with it I just am saying that it doesn't it doesn't yeah, make no. sense to me yeah exactly like and it's one of those things where it's like you. this is what happens when you have uh, the wonderful thing of Star Wars books that are written by different people is that there's not really they give them they give them a lot of space and there, there's a lot of room for um, interpretation I guess and creating your own story within it and and so while it doesn't make sense to me, that I feel like that wouldn't, in my interpretation of the Jedi Order, I don't believe that that would have happened. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I guess in another person's, it might be different. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the weirdest decision of all to me is the fact that Sember then, despite all that, kept the lightsaber. In her drawer
3: yeah.
4: convenient <laughs> you
1: know w- w- without which you know so much of what happened might not have happened mm. i guess yeah. you know because it, re- it really yeah, it was
4: a catalyst already wasn't it it
1: kind of is it sort of it, it, it sort of becomes a symbol for is of
0: this mystery that she has yeah. to unravel you know
2: the jedi aren't known for transparency Absolutely not. and
0: point. we see that every time that got sent out no. on a mission right like we can't give you information
2: no. Sometimes
0: it's that we don't have it, but sometimes it's just that we're not going to give it to you. It's not relevant to you, mm-hmm. which just seems silly to me. I don't know if it seems silly to anybody else on that one.
3: See, I hold with um, Tulan, who explains to Iscat, and again we get a different pers- or perspective through Iscat's perspective, but from Tulan's direct words. When Toulon's, when Iskat complains about this, um, he tells her, "Well, imagine how the masters feel." getting limited information from the Senate and then being told by the Senate, this is what you're allowed to pass yeah. on. You're not allowed to pass on anything else. You can only give this. And and again, they do make the choice to hold with the Senate, but at this point, I mean, the Jedi have been connected to the Senate this closely since the High Republic days, like big part of the High Republic is, is showing and that the Jedi then are like, we shouldn't be this close to the Senate. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, this is going to lead to trouble later on and it does. And and so while I understand, and Iskat has every right to be frustrated with the lack of transparency she's being handed by the Masters, I do also understand their perspective of it, like Tualon. Like, they're That's in a fair. difficult position as well. And that was Palpatine's whole plan. Absolutely.
1: Agreed. It's just another one of the ways in which the Jedi are completely out of their depth here.
0: Um... All right, so with that, um, kind of one last kind of question for me, at least for this first part. I feel like there's a very obvious comparison in here and some of us have kind of talked about it a little bit, but Iskat's story does feel very similar in some ways to Anakin's. Um, Did you notice anything in this book with regards to those parallels in both of the internal struggles that they experience as well as how they as Jedi seem to be handled by the Jedi Order?
4: I mean, yeah, there's there, there there's obvious comparisons, isn't there? Um, but I think the one that's the most the most obvious is how they both feel um, sheltered and how they both feel too uh, mollycoddled by the Jedi. If you know what I mean, like they just want to they want to just grow up and be a big boy and girl and go on big Jedi adventures. And, like they feel like they're being held back, and there's resentment from that. Um, I think that's probably the main comparison. I mean, they're very different characters. Anakin's a lot whinier than Iskai is, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is true. Um, But I I think that's the most obvious one.
1: I was struck. um, I I was re-listening to the audiobook in the last couple of days on sort of 1.5 to 2 times speed, frantically trying to remind myself what actually (laughs) happened. Um, but I was struck that time through by you know th- you know the, the mission to is it Thul, where is it's, it's Iscat's first mission uh during the Clone Wars. She's there with Tuwala and then this sort of rather again sort of slightly sort of self righteous Jedi called Josk. and it all goes a bit wrong, and Iskat has to make some decisions based on very, very bad Intel and uh, and she goes all out and blows up this massive weapons factory. Um, even though the, sort of the 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 initial orders were somewhat different, and and she gets completely you know dressed down for it by the Jedi Council, and I kind of thought if that was Anakin, yeah. they'd have been like, attaboy boy, there you go, <laughs> yeah, you know, well done," yeah. because you know it was totally an Anakin. It was totally an Anakin move. It's exactly you, know, you could I can imagine that happening in the Clone Wars. Yeah,
3: see, I think they would have been mad at Anakin anyway, but they wouldn't have. Um, they wouldn't have given him the same punishment because of his status.
4: Yes. (laughs) They're just like, oh, we can't deal with two of them. I guess the
1: time we see something like that in the Clone Wars cartoon is when Ahsoka disobeys orders on Felucia and then she's relegated to library duty for a few weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but Iskat's treatment seems so much more severe. And I think because they're always walking on eggshells around her because they know all this extra stuff about her past her mother and they're keeping all that from her and they're absolutely paranoid about her but all the extra stuff that's going on around her that they're aware of is kind of adding to the problem yeah in the long run i
4: mean as well like as she's quite obviously a lot more naturally angry and a lot darker than anakin is because anakin never had that moment really until until probably the whole um sand people thing, um, where he was when he'd get into those moments, he would just let loose and go on a murderous rampage because it felt good. That wasn't really him, was it? It wasn't about anger as such for Anakin at first. It wasn't about bloodlust. It was a it was about fear. Um whereas Iska is the opposite of that. Like she is quite clearly like relishes violence and 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 the power that comes from that and obviously that was quite clear for the jedi to see from that moment um, when she was a young one um but yeah i think that's probably the major difference i think with anakin as well but i think you're right though it it is there is a seemingly a double standard here um but maybe maybe it's less palatable when iscat does it because there's no not like a pithy quip from obi-wan you know what I mean? She, like, doesn't, oh. she doesn't
3: have someone sticking up for her. No, um, she doesn't. And and I also think like it also is again the status like she's not the chosen one. Anakin is, and so like what are they gonna do? Yeah. Stick the chosen one in his bedroom and not let him come out and fight? Yeah. Um, but I also um, was thinking about how I think a large part of what goes wrong with how they treat her is that they are afraid of her but they don't want Mm -hmm. to admit that they're afraid of her. And I'm so intrigued about the incident that happened when she was younger because we only get it from Ms. Cat's perspective. But later in the book, the Grand Inquisitor alludes to her having done it on purpose, but she was targeting the other two and not her friend. Mm. And it was her friend who got hurt. And she didn't mean for her friend to get hurt. She meant for the other two to get hurt. That's what the Grand Inquisitor is alluding to. I don't know if he's telling the truth or if he's lying um, or if he knows that that's something she's afraid that she was doing, but she didn't realize it. And he's playing off of that. Um, Um, But I would be so intrigued to get the perspective of that event from one of the other Jedi who were there, one of the Masters, and understand what about that Uh, made them think that maybe it wasn't on accident maybe it was on purpose Mm -hmm. and that kind of um, tainted their their view of her for the rest of her time in the order
0: yeah yeah for me personally reading that same kind of way that is cat represents it she was like it was an accident i just didn't know my own strength i didn't mean for this to happen it almost felt like a lenny from of mice and men thing i didn't mean i was just trying to pet the rabbits i didn't mean Hmm. to kill it um i don't know my own strength kind of thing so like that always seems strange to me i'm like if that's really the case and that's genuinely what she thinks why is everyone so afraid that same kind of strength in the florist is what you're looking at presumably in someone like anakin who is your chosen one, your golden boy. Right. It seems strange.
2: I I like that I think all of you brought up the, like kind of the fear and paranoia that the masters and just the other Jedi in general have for ISCAT. Um, And when I was reading the book and then kind of revisiting it, you know, ahead of this round table is my, my question was what happens if you have a force sensitive child who is also just more prone to those stronger emotions who is who like who is just naturally more quick to frustration and anger what what happens to those those jedi who do kind of enjoy violence you know they're kind of quick to violence um because when, when Iscat has those moments of, of kind of rage, violence, and we think about her past, there's nothing really in particular in her past that makes you think, oh, that's why she's like that. You know, you can maybe make those arguments for Anakin because of... he was a slave
4: for 10 years
2: right he was a a literal slave like the things that he's experienced and witnessed and you know obviously like the sequence of events with his mother and and then you have all these things with padme and then the clone wars and stuff like that but i'm i'm like genuinely curious of like what what's the protocol for when you get a powerful little youngling (laughs) or a padawan (laughs) who their their nature is just more more intense more aggressive and clearly what happened is cat was not the correct answer to her aggressiveness
3: well and you know i can put it when you put it that way like i can understand their their temptation to be like then we need to go in the opposite direction because every example they've had of that in the past has, you know, led to a Jedi leaving the Order or um, turning dark side or you know going off on their own and doing whatever. Um, and so I can see that naturally, like if you don't one don't know what to do with them, two don't have the resources or the time because the prequel era Jedi have gotten themselves so tied up in other issues that they. The council is just like, we've got other things to deal with. We don't have time to deal with each individual Jedi uh, who might have potential issues, which is in itself an issue on their part. Um, But that the temptation would be to just try and force them in the opposite direction and not realize until it's too late that that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just so unfortunate that it just seems to encourage her to being who she is you know she, she she's she's just so at at no point in this book really does she ever feel, does it ever feel like she's receptive in any way to the jedi's approach to her yeah. that the you know these attempts to contain her you know she kind of goes along with the thing she's got the amulet hasn't she and she's the the, the whatever coping mechanisms put it that way that she and sember have, have put in place um you know she goes along with that but you only ever feel like she's kind of going through the motions you know uh, and, and she's never really she she doesn't she never really buys into the way the jedi see her and the jedi's plan for her the, plan, the way that they deal with her the, the, there's really strong vibes for, for me anyway i can't some of those early sections, particularly when she's dealing with some of the other Padawans and that sort of thing, it, it sort of gives me sort of Christian high school vibes
2: <laughs> with,
1: you know, and she's kind of the odd kid out who doesn't believe or doesn't fit in, you know? But, you know, she, she just never feels like she fits into their mold at all.
4: Even when she's offered the position in, in the library, um, she obviously she turns it down because she doesn't want to do that. And she's quite clear about that. And that's fine. Um but in, I don't know if this is in defence or against what you were saying, actually. Um, but she does seem genuinely touched by it, though. Not, not touched, but she seems to appreciate the offer and all that, at least at first. So she's not completely in her own head. She does have, she is somewhat a Jedi at this point. You know, there is. she's gracious at that point to a degree. I'd say.
0: This is almost a perfect segue into part two, then, because the second part of the novel does center on Iskat, um essentially just beginning to take her destiny into her own hands um, and experiencing that disillusionment and deciding to do what she wants to do, regardless of whether the Jedi condone that or not. So how did you guys feel about that decision and maybe the influences that played into her making that decision?
3: You know, the whole time... I was reading her interactions with Hizu, Hizo, how do you say his name? Um, I was was so angry um, because I was like, no, like I was like, well, this will be good. She'll get an outside perspective. Someone will, you know, tell her, you know, try to guide her in, you know, a little bit of a better way, exact opposite. And I was like, (laughs) You're you're feeding into her worst temptations. Why are you doing that? And so I felt so gratified that in the end it was, because of um, other outside forces but I, I understood her again I understand her temptation to be like the only way I'm gonna get what I want is to follow their rules I feel like any rebellious teenager figures that out at some point follow their rules and eventually you get to do whatever you want so I completely understood that
0: yeah it's the rebellious teenager that's like your parents tell you you can't wear that so you put on whatever they tell you to wear and then until you leave the house and then you take it back off and do what you want yeah <laughs> yeah
2: yeah she basically like just hits like the bare minimum like tries to just do the bare minimum what they say for her to do until they leave her alone enough you know so she <sighs> just gets a little bit of like okay like i did all these things now I can now they're not like so focused on me, so I can go just do whatever I want. Do
4: you know what's the saddest part though is when she when she takes on the role of uh the teacher, so looking after the younglings, she's the only decent teacher in the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's genuinely one good one at it. Like...
2: She's yeah. yeah.
4: And she's not interested.
2: So, so ironic.
4: <laughs> the yeah. best
2: teachers are the the most unlikely or the ones that don't necessarily want to do it they have that perspective
4: yeah she seems to have that genuine affection for the kids though it was a little bit Mardaro if I'm being honest how yeah, she, she has the affection for the kids but she just wants more
2: right you know? it seems that she was more transparent with them and like trying to meet their needs almost like trying to I mean yeah like meet their needs when she felt like she wasn't getting her needs met so she wanted to make sure that they were also maybe you know understanding what was going on in the order and the galaxy at the time a little better than maybe she did
4: It's quite sad really i know i'm gonna get them jumping ahead again but i found out one of the saddest moments in the books was um when she, there's like a line where she's like if, if if the even if the younglings die, it, it doesn't matter. Do you know there's something isn't there? There's like a moment where she thinks about the younglings when it's all turning bad and she's like, Oh well Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh man. Yeah. That's so harsh.
2: Yeah.
3: Um one part in this section I didn't I don't particularly like and this isn't necessarily the author's fault. Um, I, I get really tired of Mace Windu being used as like
0: yeah. the yeah.
3: the evilest Jedi. <laughs> and if you have to have a Jedi who is just gonna make someone's life miserable or make all of their problems worse, then why does the job always have to go to Mace Windu? <laughs> and um, yeah. I really, I really didn't like that in this, in this book because again, I was able, I liked the the struggle of having to differentiate what was is Kat's own perspective and her own bias of the situation. I, I enjoy having to think about that when I'm reading a book because um, it's very engaging. but in this moment, I, I was just kind of like he he's getting the treatment that none of the other council the council members are getting. Like, I felt like the other council members were treated with a bit more of a, like, easy hand than he was. And he was just, like, flat out mean in ways that I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't buy it. My interpretation of him mm-hmm. is not that way. And even if I'm viewing him from Iscat's cat's perspective. And I think that just, it just yeah. added on to the, the, the nature in, in Star Wars by Star Wars creators, I think, to uh, demonize him more than is necessary, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> I,
1: I, I wonder if it's... I, I think a little bit of it is just sort of economic storytelling. I, as far as, you know, if, if you need a character to be that guy, a Jedi character to be that guy, you wheel out Mace Windu, because it saves time creating a new one, <laughs> you know? And sort of getting you to care yeah, about a new character. He's famously um, the guy
4: that just says it how it is, who, you know, doesn't sugarcoat it, who... Um can make the hard calls that's that's who he is and it's a strength but it also can be from a certain perspective a bit of a dick yeah
3: well i i get i get that my issue is that i felt like it was overdone in no i agree even from even from the perspective of someone who is meant who who needs to have these feelings about them. And I, and I, I say that, and I say that because I, I am actually, let me put it this way. I I know that part of the reason I feel this way is because we have so little in canon material that is sympathetic towards Mace or told from his perspective. And I feel that that, Makes like the the balance go one way instead of kind of evening out, and I don't think that's fair to his character. If we had more, than maybe I would be more okay with him being used the way he was in this book. Um, but it just felt it felt a little uh, a little much for me, uh, especially considered the way that the fandom tends to uh, treat him as well, which I think is is more than a little yeah. based on some racism. So. <laughs>
4: I mean, possibly. I mean, I think that the the Mace Windu we have in the Clone Wars is probably a bit more balanced. Um, I agree because he has he has moments mm. of levity in the Clone Wars, yeah. and you can kind of see it from his perspective a bit more. Um, so, I feel like that's the Mace we deserve.
1: The redeeming thing, Danielle, though, for, for you know, in all of this, I guess, is that this is the way Escad is seeing him. You know, and but, but I, I completely agree. It would would be lovely. If a writer would take on or would get the job at some point of giving us something in canon from Mace's point of view, so that we actually, I want to see a bit more complexity there because he's not he's not just that guy all the time, you know. He does have the
4: biggest (laughs) picture on the front of that new John Jackson Miller book, so maybe that's the book.
1: He does have, yeah, he is prominent there.
3: Oh, I want to be clear that I, I do. I as I was reading, I like I said, a part of this, the my favorite part is, is reminding myself this is from ISCAT's perspective, this is from ISCAT's perspective. And mm. even doing that and saying, okay, I'm viewing this from ISCAT's perspective. I understand that Mace isn't going to be viewed kindly or sympathetically to begin with. But even with that, I still – I didn't completely understand um, the, the lengths that I went with Mace – when those same links weren't reached with other of the council members who are similarly villainized, like uh Ki-Adi Mundi. Like I feel like you could have also used Kiati Mundi mm. to be uh to be the the dick in this case, but they didn't went yeah. with Mace. And so that was that was where I was I struggled with it thinking if it was just is cat's bias or if it was also other bias creeping into it. And there's no way to know for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, that was just how it, how it felt to me, how it read to me, even understanding that it is, Iscat's perspective that I'm reading.
0: Uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up um, and it doesn't necessarily fall just into this part, but it kind of falls across the board. Iscat, to, as a character to me feels very neurodivergent coded um, very much like a Autistic or ADHD child. Um, Do you guys get that vibe as well? Just in the way that she's approaching the world and is approached by the world? I mean, she's definitely
1: seeing the world
0: differently to everybody
1: else around her. You know? Um, Yes. She's just not on their wavelength and they're not on hers at all. You know, it it comes back around. We've already said that she, you know, she. They do not know how to handle this child. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I I, I I definitely see that. I think Delilah S. Dawson as well. She she is neurodivergent, isn't she?
0: She certainly. I believe so. Yeah, I, I definitely get those vibes. I I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one reading into that. Like as a neurodivergent person myself, I'm like, this feels is cat feels very comfortable to me in terms of the way that she's viewing the world um the way that she feels other and that that otherness is internal to herself um and not just kind of something that happens to her Mm. it's is there something internally broken or wrong in me
1: yeah i mean i i I think it's very well done in 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 that it it doesn't I, i don't think she leans too hard on that on sort of a, on the, the on the oh, neurodivergent yeah. coding button because it, it also feels like it sort of it, it could be other things as well so for me it really you know i i had a very religious upbringing so for me i'm getting all of the you know i i, I see a kid who is really struggling to fit into this sort of very hyper religious you know situation that she's being raised yeah. in and she feels different and she feels like she doesn't buy into any of this, but she's kind of got to go through the motions. But I think I think so the, there's a there's a cleverness in the way that Dawson has written it, that it kind of I, th- I think it's coded in a number of different ways that actually you can pick up and you, you can pick a number of different things out. Yeah, no, that's fair
0: the, the,
1: at the center of which is she just knows that she's different. She doesn't fit in.
4: I mean, it's interesting as well, because yeah. she obviously has these big passions and these big thoughts and these big feelings about how she's seen, how she's treated, um, and her place within the order. But on the other side of that, so she's very much emotionally led, but the other side of that, she's also very cold in a lot of ways that you wouldn't expect a person to be cold. Um, I'm trying to struggle to give any examples now, but there's there's quite a few, and not, not just in the obvious I've turned to dark side now, you know, kill anyone that gets in my way kind of way. I mean, that some some things that you'd expect her to react to, she doesn't really. Um, so you could say that that is indicative of it because it's, um, it's just a different way of processing, isn't it? Information.
3: I, I see that also in that um, it's not just with the order that she feels she doesn't fit in. She feels that way. Uh, once she's a part of the Inquisitorius as well. And she like actively thinks about that, the irony yeah. that she sacrificed um, her life in the Order for more freedom and more acceptance, and she didn't get that. She's not any more free than she was mm. with the Order, and she's not any more accepted by them than she was by the Order. It's
4: quite funny, though, isn't it, speaking about that? She never actually wanted... It's not like she strove to be part of that or to, to be free in that way to indulge those dark i mean it was a little bit like that but even when she joins the inquisitors um she's like they say temporary the moment i can get away i'm done do you know what i mean like i don't want yeah i don't want to be part of something else
2: i thought it was really interesting that thinking back on is and like that transition from jedi to not um it wasn't like that traditional kind of fall to the dark side, right? It wasn't like she was. I I, I definitely say that she was curious about certain darker um, side elements. You know, there was like the, the the beginning of the book with the the Sith artifact and her kind of like curiosity about mm. it, and you know, having some of those thoughts. You know, those kind of random really dark, uh, violent thoughts. And she's like, wait, where did that come from? Like, why did I just think of that? But it wasn't like she has been... I, would, I wouldn't categorize her as someone who wants to be a Sith or, you know, Sith acolyte or something like that. I really think her, like Chris said, is she just wants the freedom and flexibility. And she doesn't want to feel so other she wants and and i don't even know if she really strives for like a community of like like like-minded you know similar individuals i just think she doesn't want to just be isolated and be kind of set apart because she's different and she's the weird one or like the not quite right one you know or something like that she
3: just She just wants to be accepted. I was going to say, it's interesting because all the time she felt most herself, she was by herself, like when she's fighting and like, she's not fighting with other people, she's fighting by herself. And that is when she felt the most alive. And it wasn't when she was with any of the other inquisitors, obviously, that she felt most herself because no one wanted to be (laughs) around each other. Um, But Mm -hmm. it was also when she was off doing her own thing. And and I think it's there's a, a confusion there, I think, of of wanting to be accepted, but also just wanting to be by yourself that I actually think a lot of people probably understand. Uh, now that I'm saying it out loud, <laughs> Like you want to be you just want to be on your own, but you also don't you, you want people to just be OK with you being on your own and not expecting anything else from you.
1: It's like the introvert
4: manifesto. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I mean to back up what Chelsea was saying before and what you said there as well is like there wasn't a fall to the dark side was there There's, I mean in every sort of instance of it we've seen so far there's a change in someone like Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader they're two different people you know what I mean they are two different people and um, Ben Solo and Kylo Ren you know he's constantly struggling and he's so unhinged because of it because he's struggling Mm in dark and light his cat doesn't change like right. she's the same person, yeah. Like two, three years into the Equatorius as she was when she's a Padawan. She's just level. Yeah. Like she's just, a, she's just a living. It's just who she is. I think she's the closest we've got to. Her. I don't want to incite any arguments or debates, but she's the closest we've got to a grey Jedi. Uh
1: huh.
4: <laughs> so yeah, far, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it's really interesting that that you, that you say that, Chris, because re, re, re-listening to it again in the last couple of days. It it hit me particularly that um, near the end, when the Grand Inquisitor takes her back to—I can't remember the 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 character's name. He's an Ortolan. He's like a trader on Barlith. Um, and they have that sort of conversation through the locked door, and the Ortolan is saying, "You know, I don't. You know, I'm not a Jedi, but I can feel the waves of the Dark Side rolling off your companion. Um." but he's not feeling that coming from Eska. You know, Iscat is still something other than, you know, someone as dark and as far gone as the Grand Inquisitor. She is still herself. Uh, he you know, the, the Ortlund talks about how she's drawn to that, you know, uh, but, but she's not all the way there yet and there's time still to d- make a difference. It's more she's curious. She doesn't.
3: Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, she's still curious.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I mean i might say something controversial and, and disagree. Um because she still makes the choice to kill him, doesn't she?
4: Yeah, and, but and like to still... her that's not yeah. a, that's what I'm saying. Yeah she's cold. It's well, not if, even a... if,
3: regardless of of whether it is it to her, I think that there's again the idea that we're viewing this through her perspective. How does she look yeah. to someone on on the outside? Does someone who knew her before and sees her as an Inquisitor, fully as an Inquisitor, once she has accepted her Inquisitor name, see her as Izcat or as someone else. And mm. and I I think I like I, I, I don't agree that Anakin and Darth Vader are two different people. I think that that we very much see elements of Anakin in Darth Vader and, and vice versa.
4: The point of telling that the, the characterization of those two sides are, are very different.
3: Again, from an outside perspective
4: yeah that's true and we
3: get we get is yeah personal perspective of if we go
4: internal like if you look at you know where the where this book sprung from sprang from the darth vader charles saul series you can see like the constant turmoil anger struggle within anakin slash vader you know there's none of that here
3: i i disagree i think there is a lot of struggle for is to for acceptance maybe not necessarily on what she's doing, but actually no, I do think there is a lot on on what she's doing with um we mentioned with the traitor. She wanted him to live. Yeah. And she didn't yeah. want to kill him. But she did anyway because she cared more about what she could get from her from this new perspective from this new part of her life. She didn't want to mess it up. Yeah. And, I,
1: and And she, she she also knew that the Grand Inquisitor would kill her if she didn't yeah. come back with the thing.
3: And so I think there there very well, there very much is is a struggle there, and I think I see it when I was thinking back about about my journey reading this because i I was also thinking of what kind of change I see through her throughout the book, and I think there is a very big change that is is nurtured. It's a change in her thinking towards the dark that is nurtured by Hizo and Palpatine and the few instances that she has communicating with Palpatine throughout the Clone Wars when she's leading him or um, ushering him to the council room. Um, but there is a change there. It's just because it's from her perspective, maybe we're not seeing it as clearly as it would be if it was completely separate from her own internal. I definitely see that nurturing that you
2: just mentioned, Danielle. The, and I think it's really interesting that there there is that turmoil within her. I think it's a different type of turmoil than what we see with Anakin and eventually yeah. Darth Vader. Like I think there's with ISCAT, there's a level of turmoil about self-preservation and mm. wanting again wanting that freedom and wanting that acceptance but also just like having the her her darker side, you know, I guess pun intended nurtured within her by um by different parties and it's not necessarily her wanting to um you know embrace the dark side but not but more like she wants to embrace what the dark side means or what she thinks it means so you have Mm -hmm. people like the highly manipulative palpatine and you know our, it, you know he sees the turmoil within her he sees the things that she's desperate for so he is telling her all the things that she wants to hear so that she sees that sees the dark side as something that would be beneficial to her and would provide the things she desperately needs
0: So with a little break here, um, I want to transition into that third part and the transition into that third part of the book, which we've already started talking a little bit about her um, is cats dealing with the dark side, just before we get that transition, uh, we do get to see that that order that shall (laughs) remain numberless, once again, rearing its ugly head in this book. And I I just wanted to know how you guys interpreted Seeing that play out through Is cat's eyes, and how that's different than all of the other versions that we. I mean, seen. I
4: I really liked that bit um, because we got it was like, you know, when you see a scene and it's like what happens two seconds after the scene cuts. So we 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 saw the, the traditional order sixty six yeah. that we've seen in multiple different places, but then we had that over correspondence mm-hmm. afterwards and that conversation. With uh, Where Palpatine's like, you know, I've been watching you, do you want to join? Kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing. it's um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Barely. Exactly. Um, and I, I just found that, I found that really interesting. I really did. To be honest, the, the third part I really enjoyed, and not for the obvious reasons. So, if you speak what about... What
0: would the- be the obvious reasons?
4: Well, you see, I, I find the Inquisitorius fascinating, and I, I do enjoy that but not in your typical toxic Revan fanboy kind of way because they look cool um do you know what i mean i (laughs) i I really find it interesting do you even know darth bane bro uh excuse me but darth bane books are genuinely really good but but yeah there's a a lot of crossover (laughs) they are to be fair yeah um And to be honest, this book parallels the first main book quite a lot, actually. But anyway, um, yeah. But I find them interesting, just the social aspect of it. So, like, how did those Jedi become inquisitors? How was that set up? Do they hang out? Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what is is there a canteen? Do you know? Like, there's there's a million questions I have for the Inquisitorius, and I I loved that part of it because we got a bigger insight here than. We have ever really. We have a little bit of an Obi Wan Kenobi show, but our main source is Darth Vader by Charles Saul, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. And I really like. We,
1: we still didn't see the canteen though. I really want to see that. Yeah, huh? I
4: mean, just lots of dark food. Um, I really want
1: to know what the specials everything's are. Everything's red. The notorious canteen. <laughs> everything's um, red. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, but the. <laughs> but no, it's interesting. I, mean, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't see Reaver. But then that also brought up different questions to me because at this point Reva would be a child. So what so what happened? Did she get put in those torture rooms where they make Inquisitors for ten years? Or did she join Inquisitor Choice mm-hmm. as a child and had a little Charles Inquisitor? Because I feel like Iscat would have mentioned that. Um do you know what I mean? There's, it brought lots of questions, as as many as, as many answers as it gave. But you know it's genuinely interesting to read. And the fifth brother is such a knob.
2: i thought it was interesting that when i looked at all the different inquisitors that we've like met and seen i think iscat is one of the few if not maybe the only one who didn't have to be conditioned Mm -hmm. tortured to um join the inquisitorius i don't know if there's any other character who didn't have to like Grand inquisitor
4: well, I assume Reva, okay, didn't Reva didn't because Reva's still very much in it, in her own mm-hmm. agenda, isn't she?
2: I thought she, yeah. Okay. Do you
4: know what I mean? So I assume that's she that's hasn't.
2: very true. I just I just was like looking, and I'm like almost like waiting for like you know you you join the club and you have almost like a hazing thing, and yeah. I'm like waiting from like oh gosh, like are we gonna yeah. like have to see is cat go through like some horrible stuff and she i mean she obviously does go through horrible things but it wasn't what i was expecting and not in a bad way um but i I thought it was interesting that she didn't have to go through the level of um conditioning or or welcoming into the inquisitorius yeah
4: torture essentially isn't it
1: yeah, the,
4: the two along goes through
1: the kind of thing that we sort of saw in flashbacks in things like Jedi Fallen Order with Seer Junda mm-hmm. um, and Trilla and that, that that sort of situation. Yeah, we didn't really get to see any of that with this cat, did we? I think
3: I I really like that too, Chelsea, because I think it showed um, how even though on paper she should have been the perfect candidate for the Inquisitorious, because they didn't torture her and brainwash her and thus could not guarantee that she was thinking on their same wavelength, they didn't trust her Mm -hmm. yet. And she had to earn that, Mm. that trust, however much you can call it trust uh, when it's the inquisitoria speaking. Yeah. She had, she had to earn that from them by doing all of these various things for them and proving that she deserved to be named a uh, sister of the Inquisitorius. And I just, I thought that was really interesting yeah. that like it, it is like she willingly went, she offered herself for this. And yet she, there, those who were tortured were brought in to the circle much more quickly than she was.
4: I will say that there's the, 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 some, there's some, I have some slight issues with the third part of the book, mainly because it doesn't seem to know where it wants to land. For example, Tualon in this, or Tualon, or however you pronounce it, if you hadn't read the comics and you didn't know he became an Inquisitor, then when in in this book you'd be like, what? When he turns up again? Because it makes no, there's no telegraph of it. It makes no sense. Do you know what I mean? Like,
3: See, I didn't know he became an inquisitor and i thought they explained it quite well like i, I was i was surprised yeah, I it mean, was like a, oh my god i can't lose because i also didn't see the poster <laughs> that they gave out at the <laughs> at comic con yeah um, and i was like oh my god that's it's too long and then when it got explained i was like oh this actually makes sense i would like to see i would like to see more about, about that i did have issues with the third part of the yeah, book, but I, but that, I... that one i actually actually quite enjoyed
4: yeah exactly so yeah. So it's assuming that you've read it to a degree because otherwise it plays more like a, a cheap shock moment, like a cheap twist moment, if you, if you didn't know that already. But then again, the epilogue of the book it is so unnecessary because it it feels the need to give you an ending to the character when it doesn't need yeah. one.
0: I, it truncated. So, the so at one
4: point, it's assuming you've read the comics, and then it, and then on the other side, it's doing this in case you haven't. Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't quite work. Do you know? I mean? That's that's my only real issue with it. I'd say.
3: I liked the epilogue. What it made me want was more of their relationship while in the Inquisitorious and so i i didn't i yeah. didn't have an issue with the epilogue being there i just wanted more about their relationship in order for the epilogue to feel kind of earned yeah. i guess um yeah and more fulfilled i think
4: yeah you should you should read Agreed. those comics they're really yeah. good we, we know we said it on this podcast many times it's pretty much the best star wars thing in print that comic is it's incredible yeah
1: i absolutely could have taken a whole part four which which sort of Still might have ended in what we got in the monologue, but yeah, to your point, Danielle, it just gives us more of their actual relationship so that that kind of... The epilogue doesn't feel quite earned, I don't think. I mean, I'd be interested, you know, and I had read the comics Indeed. before, so I kind of knew what it was going to be. So I was kind of just reading it thinking, well, this is kind of... It's a fairly faithful in prose version of what we've seen in the comic book, but it didn't really feel like it... Belonged as the epilogue to this novel you know they should,
4: should just let left it where it was
1: they're
3: they're only in one in one comic issue two, yeah.
0: I, I think it's two two yeah i think it spans 19 to 20.
4: yeah so the, the inquisitor in it a bit but they're they're like they're like backward background yeah because i
3: i read i read those issues once i knew that this i just didn't i Based on it being Toulon, uh on there, um, but I, from what I understand, like what I what I wanted more of isn't in the comic. Yeah. I wanted I wanted more of their like actual relationship and how they how that evolved from when they when we see them at the end of part three and where they're at in the epilogue. Um, I, I wanted I wanted something to make that epilogue feel
0: yeah. feel more earned. Yeah, it almost feels like Delilah S. Dawson was, like, kind of put yeah. on the you have to include this because yeah. this is the source material um, and didn't really want to. And so she's like, I'll just toss it in as an epilogue at yeah. the end. I'm more concerned with how we get to her yeah. as an Inquisitor. Um, and yeah. I feel like that's what the book really was. Right.
4: I, I did like that, how like it came across, though, so that their love is the most important thing to them at that point, because that was always in the comic. That always came across in the comic. And the fact that we see, obviously, this ends with the starting point of that, doesn't it? Where they start to start to admit their feelings together, and then we have a time jump to the epilogue. Mm-hmm. So, I, I necessarily, don't need. I would like to see more of their relationship. We don't, we don't need it. I don't think, mm-hmm. but I would definitely, I definitely read that. story. Yeah, um, two
1: words: comic miniseries. But no, yeah, I, I, a mini-series. I,
4: I, yeah, but like, um, I just think I found their affection to each other and their love for each other quite sweet. <laughs>
0: Sweet is an interesting term. I don't know <laughs> for that for that particular. Really yeah, well, in... See,
3: I found uh, I found yeah. myself wondering um, if you know, Tualon is the one to try and prevent to try and stop Vader's swing. Um, I found myself wondering if it had been Tualon who was the potential victim of that aim. If uh, Izcat would have done the same and my interpretation is that she would she would i don't think have. she would have yeah i don't think she would have i don't think she would
4: have <laughs> I, also feel, I also felt i just feel like the <laughs> the epilogue cheapens the it cheapens the story like it breaks it breaks the arc as such because you, you know you're you're yeah. building up this whole arc of the story about it's journey and then it ends on a note where you're like okay she's got here that's great um But she said she wants to get out and do the, you know, do all the possibilities. Maybe we'll see in the future. And then, nope, she died. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, how did that play for you, Danielle, as someone who hadn't read?
3: I thought it was profoundly sad. But I also Mm. was, I don't know. I've. I guess, I guess for me, it kind of made it that like, in the end is Cat's end was, was her choice, but it also wasn't like, it was her choice, but influenced still by, by someone else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I want, uh, there's only, you can't, she can't necessarily have a happy ending, give that that's not the way of the dark side. Um, But I don't know. I didn't hate it. And I didn't. I, I just, I guess, sorry, I just found it like, it was an ending, and I didn't dislike it.
0: Hmm. I
3: don't...
0: It was an ending with a yeah, period, not think... an ellipses. Um, There was yeah. no ending, but... Yeah. I think I would have
3: preferred an yeah. ending, but... And it just being like, maybe we'll know, yeah. maybe yeah. we'll never know. I
0: think it's really interesting that you said about... Um... That we don't get happy endings for dark side people but i feel like we we kind of to a point do um so many of the other characters that we see fall to the dark side end up having some sort of a redemption arc um but this is not that we don't have that option yeah when when they when
3: they go when they go back it's because she never fell to the dark side Um, i guess i guess what i meant is there's no like Mm. not returning to the light and having a happy ending. If that makes sense, I, that may be a complete juxtaposition. That's just like not possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. no, I, I
0: understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just, I just find it interesting. Cause this, there was no, like, I don't want to say there was no character arc, but there almost wasn't. I mean, it's, it's almost a corruption arc, yeah. but it's not. And there's no redemption arc either. So like, it's, mm. but at the same time, it doesn't feel like a static story. Like you feel like you grow and adapt with the character and the character feels somehow different from beginning to end, but it's not in a way that you can describe with an arc. Yeah.
3: It is very much a character exploration, but maybe on a more, and I, I, I don't mean this word in the way it's typically used, um, but maybe in a more like mundane way, like a, an everyday way. Like as if you were to do a character exploration of just a, a typical human being, who maybe leans to the you know to the bad side a little bit and doesn't make all the best choices and I feel like maybe that is kind of like how this would 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 read because you're right there is there's no big art it's, it's yeah. a
4: depressing story, isn't it? Yeah because she feels trapped and she can't be herself So this whole thing happens she goes oh here's my opportunity I'll, I'll join these guys and survive and maybe I'll get to be a little bit more myself. But then she knows she feels trapped yeah. and miserable it's there as well relatable. and then she dies it's mm. like a
2: relatable yeah. arc <laughs> um <laughs> even if you don't even if you're not like Iscat where you have maybe those like kind of darker thoughts or tendencies or more aggressive <laughs> uh aggressive emotions or feelings or things like that but i think i like i said before like there's this there's this uh like tone of like self-preservation and just at the end of the day like she's not subscribing to anybody else's dogma like she's not subscribing to the jedi orders dogma clearly and she's not really subscribing to the inquisitor's dogma either like she's just trying to go where she feels like she can be the most herself while also not you know dying um but (laughs) inevitably
1: yeah I, mean, I think it's fascinating that you know we've talked before about how the whole book is, is from her perspective. And you know, if, if maybe it is difficult to see what the arc is at times, you know, I guess, but that's what life is like. When, you, when you're seeing life from your own perspective the whole time, you don't always see an arc. You know, you, you are just seeing the moment you're in. You know what I mean? It'd be different if there was more of a sort of if there were other perspectives at play that help you see this yes, cat from different. No, I'm saying
4: that would that would that would that would be easy to take if if you didn't have that epilogue. If you did, you've took the epilogue off. Off, then it's a re- it's a good look at that moment in someone's life. We have it all the time. We have books on Luke, Darth Vader, whoever. If, even some characters that aren't even major. will just have this is the story at this point in their life. And they have other stories because mm. this whole story with Vader, with Chewbacca, with the the thing that ultimately led to their death is completely unrelated to the rest of the book. It's it's mm. it's, it's a, the tail end of a different story.
1: I, I I do wonder why they felt they had to put it in, and 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 I, and I wonder partly if it's because. Well, otherwise, we're going to have folk who are really they love this book and they're going to and they've heard that, oh, my God, she's in this other comic. We better go find it. And then it's like two issues and she's dead. And it's actually not really about her that much anyway. So so maybe they're kind of just sort of heading off the disappointment of the past by (laughs) by just like put it in the book. Just tell them,
0: you know. But why not let people just go to that comic run and read those two issues yeah, and yeah. be like, oh, no, and I guess this way is way how it
4: ends. Yeah. To it. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny actually because if if you remember that it was a bit of a, a, a like an ongoing joke, the fact that we'd seen Inquisitors in Rebels, uh, and then we'd see them again in Everyone, but it was like, could you remember those that red one in the Star Wars comic in the Devader comics that was never mentioned? She was never mentioned again, like oh canon continuity it was almost like a joke that there was just some random inquisitors mm-hmm. no one knew anything about they were just there to be canon fodder so the fact that they chose to do this the first inquisitor book on this because i assume there's going to be more because why would they yeah. call it inquisitor rise of the inquisitor, red Blades? Yeah. yeah exactly um well,
1: I, I, and that, that that's something that that's been sort of popping into my mind throughout this conversation actually when we've been talking about how this is so much just from her perspective and wouldn't it be nice if we saw some of these events from other perspectives you know uh sign me up to read the the, the version of this from toulon's perspective mm. you know or you know any other of, of, of the other it'd be versions. interesting and, to get the maybe... fifth
4: story because he they quite obviously doesn't share anything
3: yeah i would like seventh sister
4: which one's Seventh sister again
3: uh, she's the one from Rebels with the droids, the Mary Allen.
4: Yeah, Sarah Michelle
3: Geller's, Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, th- there are so many of those characters who I think are definitely rich for for mining in
4: that way. Weaver, and... the most important one, I think.
1: yeah Yeah. but but again per anything live action i do kind of wonder if they'll just sort of shy shy away from her until they know they're not going to do more live action
4: well no but we could have i mean i assume a lot of these inquisitor books are going to be around when who they were before what happened in order 66 and then what happened afterwards and if they all end with their deaths then that recontextualizes this epilogue and makes it fine but um yeah the, yeah. the Reva one would be fascinating. I mean but...
1: wouldn't yeah wouldn't it be interesting to get something like a Toulon book that then actually did fill in that gap
4: what what
1: what their relationship was actually like and, 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 and you sort of see maybe more of the book is actually his experience as an inquisitor and their relationship I think a short story you know?
3: would be really good for that I would like yeah, uh, yeah if mm. there was just like you know how like we have like stories of light and dark and stuff like that something similar um but not uh geared towards kids
2: <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> give me give me some actual romance star wars please
2: there's there's a
4: couple of books
3: not my level of romance <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> do
4: you mean smut i mean jello battle scars was pretty was pretty spicy i
1: have I have read at least one mildly spicy Raylo fanfic <laughs> um, that, that, I, I can, that I can point you in, in the direction of.
3: Oh, oh, I, I have all, all of my fanfic. I'm big fanfic connoisseur. <laughs> too, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, before we fall too deeply into a spicy fa- fanfic rabbit hole, uh, oh probably a good time to wrap up uh before we do that are there any last thoughts that anyone's just um yeah really express? good book uh, really i, I definitely general, what enjoy are your final it i have like
4: book. i've said Chris? i've got some issues with um a couple of a couple of moments in it mainly the epilogue and just how it recontextualizes and cheapens the overall arc of the book but despite that it's an enjoyable read solid character work It's cat's some really memorable while this might be my least favorite delilah s dawson book it's still a delilah s dawson book and they're all amazing so definitely definitely um good four out of five for me
2: well you all know i love this and chelsea book. What are your I, I still thoughts? love it been trying to like reread it via audiobook the last couple of days and it just cemented how much i love this book it is dark it's intense i love is i still like root for her <laughs> even as i'm listening to it and rereading and knowing how it ends and everything. um, I want to, I want the best for her. I want to protect her at all costs. Um, And yeah, if you, if you love the prequel area era, you love the clone wars, you will, you will love this book. And personally, I believe it's one of the most important star Wars books that at least I've ever read. I think it's important to have this type of, dark violent star wars book and to show the perspective of a character like cat. Well,
1: um
0: and Johnny, how about I, you? Know, I completely
1: you? agree with, with with Chelsea, you know, it, it's just, it's always really nice to get these different sort of shades and flavors of, of books and the new canon does that really really well. Um you know, different voices of the authors, different genres, different styles. Um, I had a really good time with this, Des- despite my my initial reservations. You know, I'm I'm not someone who gravitates towards stories that <laughs> are about sort of villains or, or dark, you know pe- people who fall to the dark side. That sort of you thing. You did
4: love the Darth Bane series, though.
1: I and I- I- no one was more surprised by that than I.
4: You thought it was going to be that toxic Revan fanboy type book, but it isn't, is it?
1: Yeah no no, no. I'm, and and I still think the path of destruction is sort of is a bit of an incel fantasy that and and it it it's a bit icky. There's a <laughs> there's there's a very interesting conversation to be had uh, about the parallels between being and, and this cat and their journeys and and the way that people have responded to both of them actually. Um but that's maybe, maybe that's another episode. Um we could do that at a at a point in time. But no I I don't gravitate towards necessarily the, or at least I don't think I'm going to enjoy these stories about folk who fall to the dark side or, or are villains um, but this is definitely one of those that's taken me by surprise, it hooked me and I had a really good time with it all the way through apart from the epilogue which I did think was a bit superfluous
0: Last but most certainly not least, how about you, Danielle?
3: Uh, well, I feel like I started this saying that it was one of my favorite Star Wars books, aside from The High Republic, come out for the past year. And then I criticized it quite heavily. <laughs> but I still say that it is the one that I've enjoyed the most that's been published throughout the past couple years aside from the higher public, and i think that that says a lot about the story if i had quite a few criticisms about it but i'm unable to say that i didn't enjoy it because i genuinely genuinely did and i think that it's so important to the star wars canon to have like chelsea said this perspective from the clone wars era about a different type of jedi and someone whose needs weren't being met and um who was kind of a a, an unfortunate product of what the jedi had become at this point and i loved that we got this very like nuanced and complicated perspective and i hope that many people read it and engage with this type of stuff
0: more excellent i agree with all of you to some extent uh this is such an interesting character study it's so interesting to see as danielle said this nuanced complex character who's so flawed and honestly just tragic Uh, Getting to explore everything from the somewhat corrupted kind of biased view of a Jedi Order and galaxy at large that's basically descended into chaos is just so fascinating. Uh, Once again, though, I do think that all of this could have been avoided or at least resolved with some good pedagogy courses for Jedi Masters. Um, And finally, as far as I'm concerned, Dalala S. Dawson can write literally anything with a female main character and I will pick it up and devour it. Yes, and I think that about hear, does it hear. for today. Uh, now, assuming you haven't heard enough of us, let's let everybody know where we can be found online. Uh, Chris, should anyone want to take a deep dive into your brain? Where would they be able to do that if you want them?
4: Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, threads, awfully on TikTok at the moment, doing really bad at that. Um, as SW Book Collector, I also write for fan for tracks as my name, Chris Davis. So, yeah. You can find me at old places.
0: Perfect. Then Chelsea, where can we go to find out more about what you think about the world in general and Star Wars in particular?
2: You can find me on Instagram at Space Wizards Book Club. And I also have a Substack newsletter called Space Wizards Book Club.
0: Fantastic. And Johnny, where can we find more of your musings?
1: Uh, folk can find me usually rambling about Star Wars stuff on Instagram or threads as at journals of the wills or, Danielle,
0: how about you? If we we love to listen to your thoughts, where can we find you?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm written in the Star Wars on TikTok and written in the SW on Instagram. Wonderful.
0: And you can find me on Instagram as not a force user and occasionally showing up and talking Canon right here on star Wars community podcast. It's been absolutely ch- lovely chatting with all of you. Keep an ear out for this week's upcoming episodes of Canning Catch-Up on Smuggler's Run and Legends Library on Knights of the Old Republic to the Sith Lords. Uh, finally, it's a goodbye from Chris. Bye! And it's a goodbye from Chelsea. Bye! And it's a goodbye from Johnny. Bye! It's a goodbye from Danielle. Bye! And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you all, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>